Yo, what's going on, everybody? And welcome back to the podcast. This is episode eight of the Get the Shot podcast, a podcast aimed at aspiring creatives, young or old, trying to get their shot at working in this awesome industry. My name is Billy Quatch. I am the creative director at Let It Fly Media based in Kansas City. Today, we have a very special guest on the podcast. His name is Yezu Moti, currently based in Dallas, working for Willie Cauley-Stein, an NBA player for the Dallas Mavericks. I'm so excited to talk to him about his journey into the creative industry and how he got to where he is today. I'm super excited to be talking to all the Collins that we have lined up. So let's get this thing started. Let's run it. All right, welcome back, everybody. We got Yezu Motif on the line. How's it going, Yezu? It's going well, man, going well. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. This is the Get the Shot podcast where we're going to be talking about your experiences, your story, and your kind of inspiration and motivation to being a creative. And hopefully, you know, that'll help other aspiring creatives get into the positions that they want to get into. Um, let's start off with what your title is and kind of what you do on a, a day-to-day basis. Yeah, man, uh, that's a great question. Um, I wear a lot of different hats from, you know, copy, whether it's online social media uh, for any clients I may have. I work primarily with Willie Colley Stein. So, you know, working with him the last two, three years, you really do a lot of things, photography, videography, um, uh, graphic design, pretty much you name it. Um, if you don't know how to do it, you learn how to do it, right? So, Yeah, for sure. So um, how did you get involved with Willie Colley Stein and just working, you know, for a player? Yeah, man, that's a great question. Um, I mean, it started back, uh, I would say, 10 years ago. I graduated from the University of Kentucky. And so from there, like most people know, Coach Calipari, you know, he's made a, a factory out there uh, producing NBA talent. So for me, it was kind of soaking in the atmosphere, number one. But I uh, graduated with uh, a degree in broadcast journalism. And so I kind of learned how to, you know, tell story, tell, you know, compose shots, uh, kind of the straightforward side of things. And then I learned the artistic side of things later as I grew older um, and just kind of experimented. So we have friends in common. Uh, when I left the University of Kentucky, um, I linked up with a couple of friends that kind of knew him uh, directly. And about three years ago, he kind of needed, you know, creative to spark some life while he was going into a contract uh, better than he did in the past. And so, you know, my number was called. I stepped up. I used skills that I've been crafting for 10 years and and put them to use, man. Nice. That's awesome. Um, broadcast journalism. I have the same degree. So I think that's a low key, super helpful degree to, you know, tell stories. And um, I know I, would, I didn't want to be on TV. I wasn't about, you know, the news life, but I knew that having that degree would help out on the back end when it comes to telling story. Um, how did you get started into like being a creative and like, you know, what made you want to pick up a camera and start doing that? Was that early in high school childhood or was that a little bit later on? Super early, man. Um, like my first few, my first real passion uh, was movies, number one. So like I remember being like three years old, you know, sitting in front of the TV watching movies, which I know is probably not good for you. But, but for me, it was because it, it made me, you know, appreciate the art form, art form super early. Um, and then as I grew older, when I turned like 12, 13, I moved to Atlanta, Georgia. 
that's when I started, you know, listening to more, you know, hip hop that my sisters and my brothers put me on to when I was a little younger. And then I was able to actually make my own music. So I really started, you know, rapping and handing out CDs in high school. Like that's literally where that started from. Um, just a passion for art in general. And then as I got older, going into high school, college, it kind of transitioned into more the the visual art form. You know, not just people hearing you, but people actually seeing what you're seeing at the same time, not just having to, you know, take a metaphor in, you know. So I would say that's probably where it started. It's kind of grew from there. What was, I guess, what do you think your turning point was when you kind of like leveled up to who you are now? Like what made you from, okay, you're kind of doing this visual stuff to now you've got X amount of followers on Instagram, you're doing content every day. Um, you know, people are sharing your stuff. I see your stuff all over the place. Um, what, what do you think your turn, that turning point was? Um, for me, uh, about, like I said, three years ago, even before I linked up with Willie, probably actually about four years ago now, four to five years ago, um, when uh, my friend, uh, Eli and I were putting together an album in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, we were putting together my first album that I did, um, kind of since I matured and I was 26, 27 years old. And I couldn't find anybody to shoot my album cover, like do the photography for my album cover. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm a photographer. Like I can do my own album cover, but Eli's a photographer too. So, you know, I think uh, I ended up like using an old baby picture, man, and like making it look crazy. But uh, long story short, it was funny because I looked around, I was like, wow, there's nobody in this whole city that shares my same vision for what I wanted to look like. And that's where I kind of saw that need. and. Um, I ended up loving it. I got a Sony a seven, seven from like 2010, um, a super old Sony camera. I don't even think it had autofocus on it, man. It was, <laughs> it was old. So it was trash for sports, but I, I started doing portraits. So everybody knew me as like the portrait guy. Um, I mean, literally I did portraits for like aspiring models, athletes, graduation photos, wedding photos. Um, and that's really where I started seeing how people want to be seen, you know, so finding the vet, best version of people and being able to take a picture and capture that. And that's kind of where that leveled up for me personally. So it started with photography and then you start to learn other things like videography, graphic mm -hmm. design. Um, were, were there any struggles or road bumps when it came to learning different things kind of out of what you started in? Yeah. I mean, well, video is always, you know, because of that broadcast journalism background and because of my love of movies, I, I knew kind of what it should look like, you know, shooting wide, medium, close, um, you know, the composition aspects of showing distance between characters or closeness of characters or, you know, foreshadowing, like all those different things. I kind of knew that inherently, but then being able to study it and just keep, keep studying it and actually doing it, you know, calling a friend up at, you know, seven in the morning or, or 10 at night and saying, Hey, I need to practice this. And I need a subject. Like I was lucky enough to, you know, be persistent enough to have people that would let me experiment, you know, so that way I can get real world experience doing it. So yeah, I would say for, for sure. me, that was huge. Uh, but, but roadblocks, um, I mean, you kind of set your own roadblocks. Um, if you, you know, think you can't do something, you're not going to be able to do it period. So you already kind of talk yourself out of being successful. Yeah. A hundred percent. You got to mm -hmm. put in the reps. You got to like, if, if you mm -hmm. don't know how to do it, you just got to do it and find out, you know, what the yeah. steps are, what the process is, if you're good. And if you're not good, then how do you mm -hmm. get better? 
Um, so I love that answer. Exactly. You got to put in the work. Um, we're going to stop, mm-hmm. you know, stop me from asking questions. We're going to bring in some people who are mm-hmm. uh, waiting right now to ask some questions. So um, let, next up or first up, actually, is going to be Brandon Banks. Hey, Brandon, what's going on? Hey, how you doing? Doing good. Uh, I got uh, Yazoo with me. What's up, man? How you doing? Good content. What's up, Brandon? Hey, yeah. appreciate it, brother. Yeah, so uh, let's just start off with an intro on you, what you're doing. You start off with your name, what you're doing now, if you're a student or if you're working or whatever, um, just so we have some more context of where you're at, and then you can shoot us your first question. All right. Um, well, my name is Brandon Banks. I am a lot of things right now. I am uh, the owner and the one guy behind uh the 2020 product, if you guys have heard of that. I'm also a graduate assistant at Emporia State University, where I am a creative content producer there and also one-man wrecking crew there. And I'm also um, a freelance videographer for um, Sun or well Baller TV, and I'm covering Sunrise Christian Academy uh, for their basketball team as well. Nice. That's, that's a lot. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, like it's it's a lot. It's a lot it's, on your plate. You gotta keep it up. <laughs> I'm trying, man. I really am. Every week, I'm going from uh, Emporia to Kansas City, back to Emporia to uh, Wichita, and all over. And then here soon, I'm about to be traveling all over the country, depending on how things go with COVID and stuff. So, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, what's your first question? Oh man, so uh, man, I got I got a uh, <laughs> I got a little nervous a little bit. Um, so. One of my, one of my, uh, the situation I'm in right now, um, coming here soon is I'm going to apply for a D1 uh, college. I, I want to work D1, you know, and one of the issues I'm having right now is kind of getting known and stuff because it's kind of like, because I'm working with 2020. I'm also trying to promote myself as Brandon Banks as well, you know, and, um, and when, like, you know, like when it comes to like applying for, for a resume and stuff like that and still and throwing that in there, like having your own business or whatever, um, and, you know, I don't know if it, it would get a lot of love or a lot of looks for some employers and stuff. Um, and I mean, mainly, mainly is like, how can I help myself try to get, um, noticed and stuff for, to more toward like, uh, people, like, you know, people like that, that are in the, uh, D1 field. Yeah. I mean, um, the first thing I would say is what do you want to be known as? So like for me, I wanted to, when I first started, I wanted to be known as the best portrait photographer like in the world, whatever that meant to me. Right. So I would say focus in on what do you want to be known as? And then number two, like literally study everything you possibly can about that and experiment on it to the point where you want people to be like, I need X done there's no one else I need to go to more than I need to go to Brandon Banks period. And just post that every day, whether it's, you know, morning, noon and night on every single social media platform specifically for different platforms. That's what I would do. Yeah. That's what I did. Um, Even when you're reaching out and networking and DMing people, uh, like have you emailed those different colleges? Have you reached out to them? That's another question I would ask too. Yeah. Um, I'm actually about to, I'm actually about to reach out to some colleges here soon um, to see if I can, like, depending on how situ- the situation is, I got a little more free time, but um, I may uh, email a couple of schools in the in the area and stuff and try to reach out to them, see if I can do anything. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to add um, on top of that, like, you know, make sure you're 
doing your research on, you know, not only the colleges that you want to work at, but who's working at those colleges. So that way, you know, you know, if person X, Y, and Z are working at this college, I I know I need to be following them or connecting with them and just seeing this type of type of stuff that they're doing so that you can try to not copy, but replicate or mimic their work in your work. So that way, you know, they can kind of see like, oh, Brandon has what it takes to do what I do because I see him doing that stuff now with his projects. So um, one thing I would suggest like that I I did myself when I was in the NFL working for the Chiefs, I followed every single Chiefs team, all 31 other teams I followed so I could have a bubble of content from every single team so I knew who was doing what, who was at the forefront of the social media game, who was lagging behind, why did this pop out to me versus what this team did. And just, you know, I became a student of the world that I was in, that I wanted to be in, which back then was, you know, Chiefs, social media, NFL. So if you want to be in D1 college, you need to be following all those accounts, Clemson, Ohio State, like down the list, every conference, Texas Tech, following the creatives of those groups, um, which, you know, you just need to do your research to find those people. Um, and then that way you surround yourself on social with the people you're wanting to be by and want to be with. So that way you know what it's like in that area, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I got you. Yeah, I, I got and you. And one I thing you. I would add, if I can, um, like uh, just specifically one point is Twitter lists. So like, if you don't have, like, I know for me, like sometimes, you know, you go on social media and it's like your feed is populated with a bunch of crap sometimes, like just being honest. And it's like, it's hard to really kind of focus in, like, especially on Twitter, like make a Twitter list where you can have all those different accounts just separate and just boom, click on that. You can see everything and then you can go back to your normal feed and however you want to digest that. Okay. All right. Um, so my other question is, um, let's see, let's see. Um, so one of the things I'm trying to learn right now is uh, storytelling. Like, I, like I'm, I know I can do the highlights and stuff like that, but one of the other things I'm trying to improve at is storytelling and trying to get away. Like, you know, it's cool to focus on the ball and what's going on all the time, but sometimes it's good to get away from the ball, like, you know, focus on the play, another player from the court or um, focus on um, focus on uh, other things as well and stuff. How do you, like... Um, how do you like balance, uh, how do you like balance, get, get a good balance of like, you know, you're getting what you need and stuff. Um, as far as, far as uh, like, you know, enough uh, story, stuff like B-roll to tell the story. And then how do you know you're getting enough stuff on the game as well? Like, you know, cause one of my biggest fears is missing, like missing that one big play. You know what I mean? Like some, someone, like someone dunks on another kid or whatever and you miss that because you're, uh, because you're filming some, somewhere else, you know? Yeah, that's a really good question. And that's really important that you are, you know, focusing on being a better storyteller because I think that's the separator um, when it gets to, you know, hiring creatives. Like, I'd rather hire someone who could tell a story if their stuff is maybe not as good as someone else, but they can't tell a story. Um, because story is, you know, the number one thing that, content creators should be thinking about when they're creating their
their content? Like, why are you making that content? And that's a really good question about, you know, how do you balance, you know, filming for the hype stuff versus filming for the story? And I think my answer to that would be you got to let go of that fear of missing a shot because you're not going to miss a shot if you miss the dunk. If you're filming for the story, you're going to get the reaction of the player you're following of that dunk, and that could help your edit and show an angle that most people won't see. Everyone's going to see the dunk. Like, everyone's going to see, you know, and I, I get it, like, maybe you're you're just the shooter there and all you have is your footage, but, like, that's fine. Like, I'm sure there's going to be another big play. There's going to be another, you know, three-point made or whatever, and you could use that to supplement the dunk that you missed and then use the reaction of who you were following because you're trying to tell the story. So I wouldn't you know, focus too much on, oh, I'm going to miss a shot because I'm trying to get another shot. I could argue that you're missing that other shot because you're trying to go for the dunk. So don't think of it like, you know, I'm afraid I'm going to miss a shot. Think of it like I have to get this reaction shot because it's going to tell the story better than getting the dunk. Okay. Yeah, um, no, uh, oh. Just to add something on that real quick, um, like one of my biggest videos that blew up recently, or I just reposted it again, was like literally a dead ball moment where James Harden is just walking for like 15 seconds. And I put a, a, a Jordan voice, voiceover over it just to kind of paint the picture of Jordan's kind of praising James Harden. And so like it has a narrative built into it but, you know, that got like over 100,000 views on YouTube because people were like, wow, if the GOAT's saying that about James Harden, then I got to rethink my whole position on things, right? So that's, yeah. that's part of a storytelling that can be done in 15 seconds, you know, just literally someone walking. So something to think about just kind of simplifying a little bit too. Okay. All right. Okay. And then, um, shoot, I feel I, I do have like two questions i know i should have three but one of them is like you know kind of minor the other one isn't major i kind of want to ask the minor question um balancing projects or whatever like because like i said like with me um driving all over like three different cities something about to be foreign in a whole country in a little bit um how do you balance like multiple projects and stuff like that you know it's and like trying to get that speed down into balance um, I, I'm always going to say experiment, man, but yeah. I, I'll say this. I've been married six years. I have a one and a half year old son. So like balance is key for me, just either, you know, mentally and physically. Right. Um, but you really got to figure out the questions. I always ask myself these questions. So I ask them to you too. Like, what do you do to map out your week, your days, your hours? Like, do you have physical, like calendars or time slots for certain things. Um, so you can like tangibly see it, or even if it's in your iPhone in your calendar, setting reminders for yourself so you don't forget certain things. Like I set reminders all day, man. People probably think I'm crazy because I'm just talking to myself all day. But I'll set a reminder, you know, at the drop of a hat, you know, just to make sure I don't forget that thought because my mind's going a thousand miles per hour, right? Um, yeah. But that's the first thing. Um, and then the second thing, um, that I would say is making time for yourself uh, when you're doing that. Um, and so balancing the projects, you're probably going to be more productive if you stay refreshed too. So, um, you know, just take time to decompress. Yeah. And I'll add on to that. Um, 
I think it's a huge thing to just be self-aware of what your plate load can be. Because I think a lot of people, you know, they try to go 100 miles an hour and they overload their plate of what they can physically do and they don't realize it until it's too late. Um, so I think step one is just assessing all these projects. And I get it. You want to do as much as you can. You want to, you know, have as much experience as possible under your belt. But that experience isn't as um, valuable if it's 50% effort because you have so many things that you're juggling. Um, like what happens if you just put 100% all into one project, kill that project the best you can, then move on to the next project versus having four projects at once. And obviously there's a you know, whole other multitudes of factors that go into that, but that's just kind of my point of view is making sure that, you know, if you're going to balance all these projects, make sure you're able to put in 100% effort because if you're starting to, you know, the first three projects you're 100% in and then that fourth project you're, you can only go 50% at just because you're recovering from the first three projects, then, you know, you might need to reassess. Um, that's probably my biggest thing. Like, I'm not going to say it's wrong to do multiple projects at once. I'm not going to say it's right to only do one project at a time. You just need to, you know, assess your situation and make sure it's um, going to be worth it in the end. Yeah, and do you have a, or do you need a, a teammate? Like, do you need another person helping you out? Because there's no way I'd be here right now if I didn't have Burks, David Burks, the, the videographer that I shoot with. Um because, you know, there's so many things that you have to accomplish. You know, yeah. maybe you do need someone else to help you out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I got there's you. No shame. I mean, that. <laughs> there's some parts yeah. have help. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I feel the help part, especially, like, you know, um, like, you know, Emporia State, if things go through, like, um, like, like continue like, to have, like, fall sports in the spring, and stuff it's one of those things where it's like i can't i can't handle all of that by myself you know like i'm i'm always i'm probably about to like destroy myself when it comes to uh mm -hmm. when it comes to balance trying to balance you know eight different sports all at once right you know? yeah um i think um but yeah i mean i'm trying to plan something right now hopefully get something together but i think my last my final question is uh demo real stuff like um, like, like mainly, like, what do you guys look for? Like, what do you guys look for when you guys shoot? You know, um, I feel like it's kind of interfering with the uh, last question I had about like, you know, trying to get away from the ball and stuff. But like, I guess, what do you guys look for when you guys shoot? And um, especially like when it comes to the demo reel and um, um, um the inspiration where do you guys get your uh inspirations and stuff from um that's a really good question brandon on um you know how we get inspiration for a demo reel and you know the type of stuff we want to get in our demo reel and my advice to you on that would be something that i started when i think i got to the chiefs i started this mindset is every shoot that i show up to every project that i have where i have a camera in my hands i in the back of my mind, I am shooting for my reel that I'll create, you know, at the end of the year. 
obviously you show up, you have your shot list, you have your ideas for the project and you know you need you need to get those priorities down. But there are moments where if you see something that maybe doesn't fit the current project, but you know you know it's going to be a baller shot and you could add it to your reel later, be thinking about those shots and be I, I like to call shoot for your reel, you know, throughout your the year. So that way at the end of the year, you're not, you know, trying to go back and be like, ooh, I hope I had a money shot from this shoot um, that I could use for my reel. Um, I think a lot of people, they don't really think about that. They just do project and then project and then project and then project. And then at the end of the year, you know, they look for their best shots from each project and then make their reel. I like to think ahead and shoot for my reel while I'm doing those projects. So that way it just elevates your reel that much more that you have some money shots that can go into your reel and that'll you know help amplify your reel at the end and make it that much better. Um, Yazoo? Yeah, I mean, you, you nailed it, man. Like I, I believe that the future is gonna be like creatives are gonna be the superstars, you know? So you want to you want to be thinking about that is, of course, you have the job that you are getting paid to do. But at the end of the day, you also have to make sure that you're taking care of yourself as well and your own personal brand. Um, you know, if it doesn't get in the way of the project, you know, if it helps the project and everybody wins, you know, because sometimes your favorite shot is going to be the client's favorite shot, too, because you just know you nailed it. And so that's something you want to think about. Man. You got to get those money shots when you can. Um, and then when you're putting together a real you know, you want to make sure that you, you have a catalog as you go, you're cataloging those. So you don't have to go back and try to find something that, you know, you just shot 10, 15 projects ago. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Then. Um, shoot. I never, I never thought of it as like, you know, instead of like shooting for the project, go ahead and like start shooting for the real and stuff like shoot more for the real. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like that, uh, like you kind of flip like flip it like it's inverse you know what i mean like shoot for the real and then whatever you have from like whatever you have basically is like uh basically put it in that um like that little product that one project you know what i mean for the moment and then once you hit your real you have everything you have. i never thought of it like that i really have but that was like really good insight and stuff um yeah they hired you for your yeah. artistry man so yeah. you know it's a one-way yeah, it really is. Yeah. I mean, thanks guys. I, I appreciate it. Uh, um, you get Billy keep inspiring. Azul keep inspiring. And I want to give a good shout out, a special shout out to my, uh, my friends from uh, our group chat, uh, no cap, no knee pads. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for hopping uh, on and thanks for asking those questions. Um, you know, I'm sure a lot of other people have those same questions. So that's the reason I'm this podcast, just trying to help out as many people as possible. So Thanks for coming on and have a good uh, rest of your evening. Yeah, you too, guys. Thank you. All right. That was Brandon. Those were some uh, really good questions from Brandon. Um, sure. I really do think that it's important that you're not overloading, you know, your plate. Because um, he was talking about, you know, doing four different projects and going back and forth. Like, what are your thoughts on, like, um, I guess, workload and, you know, just I guess, mental health and just being, making sure that you're in the right zone. Yeah. Um, I mean, your mental health is first, it's primary. So I, you know, I can't give a hundred percent of myself if I'm mentally drained. I won't even, you know, there's sometimes like maybe even to my detriment where like I'll decline to do certain things just because I'm not feeling it. Like, 
you know, whether it's shooting someone's music video, if I don't like the song, <laughs> like, you know, it's even, it's hard to really even, you know, get there. I mean, every creative has to do jobs to put, to keep the lights on, you know? Um, but at the end of the day, you got to make sure that you can, number one, stay refreshed. Number two, put your heart into each and every project. So you're happy with it as much as the client is. Yeah. That's a really good point that I've, I forgot to mention to Brandon, but hopefully he was listening afterwards. Um, it's really important to learn to say no. I think most of us creatives, you know, we say yes to everything, you know, every opportunity that comes by, we're saying yes before we even figure out what the project is, just because we're afraid that, you know, we're not going to get that opportunity again. And that's something I had to learn recently. It's just learning to say no, um, just because you don't want to overload your schedule and, you know, be in a spot where you're just thinking about the next edit and, that'll make you not want to edit and it just keeps piling up. So that's, that's a really good point. Um, we're going to let the next person in cause I think he's been waiting for a while. So, um, let's welcome in Robert. Yeah. What's up, Robert? Hey. How's it going? Good, man. Can you guys hear me? All right. Yeah, we hear you. I'm making the move. I'm, I'm driving cross country right now. Well, halfway across. I, uh, I was in Ottawa and so now I'm, uh, I got a job back home in uh, Newfoundland. I was all the way over on the East coast of Canada. Yeah, well, uh, welcome to the podcast. Hopefully, we don't lose signal on you, but if we do, we'll figure it out. Um, let's just start off with an intro from you, who you are, and what you're doing, and just to, just to give us a little bit more context on uh, answering your questions, and then you could go ahead and ask the first question uh, after that. Yeah, sure thing. So, everything started for me back home in Newfoundland. Uh, when I was 15, I kind of got into the more journalism uh, side of things, so I was writing for... Uh, local newspapers and doing a lot of broadcast and uh, sport just through like volunteering. Uh, and then I moved to Ottawa to do my undergrad in communications at the university of Ottawa. So that was where I actually got involved as a, uh, basically football content creator. I, I approached the team. Uh, my role didn't actually, well, the role that I've been in in the last four years didn't actually exist. Uh, so I just kind of approached them and I was like, Hey, Here's who I am. Here's who I want to do. So for the last three seasons with them, I've been running all of our social channels, creating like uh, different photo and video uh, content pieces, graphics as well. Uh, just trying to, you know, stay on top of uh, things like that. And then I, uh, I finished up my undergrad there back in April and I, I wanted to do a little bit more schooling. So now I'm just uh, I'm doing a master's in digital media. Uh, at Ryerson, which is a university in Toronto, and it's all online right now, which has given me the opportunity to actually uh, accept this position with a network background. So I'm going to be a uh, producer for uh, the local television. Yeah, so I think, you know, my first question that I got for you guys is, um, you know, a big thing with a lot of creatives is like trying to avoid that burnout and, you know, keeping, you know, your mental and physical health as, uh, you know, up to the highest capability that you possibly can. What are a lot of your uh, strategies once you guys get into the season um, for, uh, you know, just to make sure that you're taking care of all that? Yeah, uh, that's a great question, man. Um, I would say the, the top thing, well, first, the first thing I think about is what's more important you given, you know, you being more exclusive, right. Or are you, you know, not giving up your entire hundred percent effort into a project. Like what would, you know, hurt you more? And so for me, it's, you know, we just talked about is turning down certain projects if you just can't, 
you know, either mentally or physically uh, get yourself to do it to the best of your ability. Like I wouldn't want to do a project that would hurt either my brand or the project itself, because if, you know, if I look bad or the client looks bad, then it's going to hurt both of us. Right. So that's, that's the question I always ask myself is, do I need to be exclusive on this one and say, Hey, I just can't do it. Or do I need to, um, you know, figure out a way to make it work. So once I figure out, Hey, I'm gonna make it work is, um, managing that workload and figuring out the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of figuring out the scope of the project, because if you don't know the scope of what you need to do, then you might say, yeah, I'll do it. And then it keeps changing on you. Or you'll say, yeah, I'll do it. And you end up getting like 10 more things, you know, added to your plate. And now it's being pushed back or, you know, extended. And so really getting the scope of what you need to do is how I avoid burnout because I know, hey, they just need pictures for a couple hours or, or hey, they need a whole rebrand, you know, um, or like a long term social media. I need like 100 pictures or 200 pictures, you know. So just kind of figuring out what the client needs so that way you're mentally saying, I need to do this. And if I do this, I'm successful. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I'll add, I'll add to that and, um, more about the season grind and just prepping for the grind that is in season versus off season. Uh, I think it's really important to take advantage of the off season and take breaks from being a creative and, you know, take your vacation days and go, you know, explore somewhere that you've never been before or just, you know, put the camera down and just go read a book or have fun or, you know, just do something that's not creative and taking advantage of those moments and those days in the off season, I think will help prep you mentally for when the season comes around and you're in that full season grind because once the season hits, you know, you're in full-time grind mode and, you know, everybody knows that that's worked for a team, what that's like and, um, definitely a good way to make sure you're 100% for that part of the year is to take advantage of the other side of the year and, you know, take off your off days um, in the off season and, you know, take care of your mental health then. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point. I, uh, I try and implement that as much as possible. And sometimes it's just, uh, you know, learning to say no and not getting lost in those ways. Um, so I guess my next question is actually, you know, with the transition, I'm going to be making soon. Uh, so, you know, obviously I've spent the last four years uh, creating a lot of short form content for digital and just like, you know, those quick 30, 60 second clips or uh, a lot of photo work. And now I'm going to be moving more into, uh, you know, creating a film, like docuseries and episodes for, for television, a lot longer form. Uh, any suggestions on how, you know, maybe some best practices to tackle that? And you're saying this is for um, what's what specifically is it for? Yeah, so this will be for a uh, like a television network, so uh, local TV basically. So uh, like the classic thirty minute uh, television episodes with uh, for different shows. Okay, I mean the last project that I worked on was that was similar to that was uh, we did like a tattoo series where we provided footage and pictures to ESPN so they could do. Uh, you know, specifically with uh, Willie Colley Stein, but um, it was something where they did it with a bunch of different players. Um, but I would say like the main thing, if you're working on like a longer form content is, have you like uh, done storyboarding before? Like in, in terms of trying to help you yeah, tell a coherent story? 
Like that's something where I would definitely focus on that because <laughs> once you do it, you're going to realize like, wow, this is <laughs> pretty like big task, but you're, you're able to stay focused and stay in line of what you need. You'll, you'll end up discovering things that you didn't know that you needed before uh, and then finding resources to help those things out. So like I have like a big whiteboard in my room that I'm in right now uh, that me and my wife kind of use because she's a, a fitness trainer, but I use it too. We just have a whiteboard. We write things down um, and literally just make sure it's mapped out to a T when I need to make sure I need to get something done. Yeah. And I'll add to that uh, when it comes to, you know, longer form pieces and bigger projects such as, you know, documentaries and whatnot, it's definitely very important to map out what those 30 minutes are going to look like and plan as much as possible each segment or each, you know, section of interview or B-roll um, just so you have a clear understanding of what you need to shoot. Um, because when you're out on a shoot for these, you know, it's hard to think big picture when you're in a, you know, maybe one of 10 shoots or whatever it may be. Um, whereas compared to social and you're shooting for social, all you need is that one good shot, one good clip, and you're you're good, and that's your job. But when it comes to long form, it's really important to make sure, you know, do you have the right transition shots to get from one location to another? Do you have the right scene sets to set up the current scene you're in? Do you have the right sound bites and the right stand-ups or, you know, however you're doing it, if you have someone on a mic or a voiceover or if, there, if there's a script or if there's going to be a time lapse and you're just going to have to prepare for all of these different things that you didn't have to think before. Um, I think one thing that helped me out recently is just watching other long form, you know, long form story pieces, whether it's on Netflix, like last chance you, or, you know, whatever, whatever long form pieces you have access to and just trying to imagine yourself as a crew member of that crew shooting that like, what are they thinking? Why are they getting those shots? What, you know, made them want to get those cutaways? Like, how are they transitioning from one place to another? Um, and just jotting down ideas that you see from other people um, because they obviously will have more experience because they're, you know, their stuff's on Netflix. Um, so that's something I like to do is just, you know, watch other long form pieces. Or if there's a project that I'm doing that I don't really know how to do i'll try to do as much research as i can on those projects and just like pretend i made that project and try to imagine myself like thinking how did we get to that end product yeah no that's uh you you guys are definitely reinforcing some of my uh, thought processes that i've had through the last couple of days so it's super helpful and uh, i guess the last question i got for you guys is uh you know, how do you deal with the balance of, you know, sacrificing, I guess, personal style and creativity with overall organization, uh, uh, like organizational branding and stuff like that. So for Billy, with you, like your own personal, I guess, uh, creative mindset and then, you know, adapting it or, or replicating it for like the Kansas City Chiefs or even just trying to do what they would like you to do in terms of like stylizing. Yeah, that's a really good question. And um, something I have to deal with a lot now, especially as, you know, a part of Let It Fly Media where we work with several different clients and each client has their own brand style guide, their own fonts, their own logos, their own colors, their own ways of doing it. So it's even more important now that I make sure that 
you know, even though there, I do certain things a certain way, I don't enforce those creative ways onto the client unless that's exactly what they want. Um, at the Chiefs, you know, even though I was there for a short time, I tried to learn what was done before and try to add my own flair to it and not change it so much to where you don't really know what it is. Like you could tell, oh, that's obviously the Chiefs, but it looks like someone else is editing that, um, not just what the heck is this? Like this is not n normally what we see. So it is a balance of trying to you know, add your own flair to things and keeping it to the brand's style. Um, and I don't know if that even helped answer your question, but that's just uh, something I think about definitely is just making sure that you're aware of, you know, what you're trying to implement into a project versus what that logo you're working for is trying to implement to their audience yeah no that makes uh that makes a lot of sense uh am i am i the first uh, canadian caller on the on the podcast i don't i not not everyone that's called has told me where they're from so i'm gonna assume yes as far as i can remember okay, so. Yeah. so just a little fun uh what, what are your boys is like uh what are your guys' first thoughts when you think of canada what are some uh what are some stable point things that you think of uh I'm, friendly <laughs> I'm thinking Banff because I really want to go there. Um, I'm thinking yeah, hockey. I'm thinking cold. Uh, I'm I'm not really I'm not really thinking cities because I don't know the cities well. Like I don't. Everybody knows Toronto been. though, man. Yeah, yeah, I know Toronto. Everybody but, knows Toronto, man. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm thinking more just cold hockey, and I really want to go to Banff and see that lake. <laughs> yeah, you're. Uh, you got us pretty spot on, I guess. Uh, Banff is beautiful. I haven't. Uh, I've been lucky enough to, to get out there yet. That's uh, like on the west side of the country. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm as far east as it gets. But uh, hey, man, I appreciate you. Uh, you guys taking the time to answer a few of my questions. I'm uh, about five hours into this drive here now, and I've been uh, catching up on all the other episodes. It's uh, really cool what you're doing. Uh, I enjoy it a lot. I think I, I first discovered like you on uh, on TikTok, and I've been uh, following it ever since. And uh, just watching your work is uh, I've seen a lot of improvements in my my own. So uh, I appreciate that, and it's uh, it's been nice chatting. And I, I got about you know probably another twenty four hours of driving, so I'm, I'm sure gonna pop on a couple more episodes. Oh my gosh, twenty four hours of driving. <laughs> Yo, well, <laughs> thanks for calling yeah, in, Robert, yeah. and thanks for asking those questions. Thanks for the support and for for the love from Canada. Um, have a safe drive, and um, I wish you the best. All right, let's go. We got international love for the oh, podcast. cool, man. <laughs> Shout out to you, man. Dang, 24 hours okay. of driving. That's that's a lot. Yeah, that's us. Uh, yeah, I think I did, I did that uh, when we drove from Kentucky to Sacramento, man. It was crazy. It, it might have been more than 24 hours. We, we did a lot of driving this past weekend. We were shooting uh, a documentary, actually, on uh, one of the Browns running back, Dearness Johnson. Uh, do you have mm -hmm. a lot of experience with longer form uh, type pieces, or are you more of a just short form? Like, what's what are, what are your thoughts on those two, and which do you prefer? I'm, I'm more specialized, man. Um, like, all this stuff I've been doing is crafting. Like, how can I get a point across, catch someone's attention in less than a second, you know, 
So like I've been hyper focused on that the last couple of years. That's my wheelhouse. Um, but like I understand what from the storytelling aspect. Like for me, I try to get that in ten seconds. Is <laughs> it's, it's instead of just like a cool highlight, it's how can I get a story done in 10, 15 seconds? um, or 60 seconds, you know? Yeah, for sure. That's, that's a cool way to, you know, try to get a story across. And I think a more efficient way is to get it across in a short amount of time. All right. I think we got one more caller and it's Tavon. Hey, Tavon. How's it going? Hey, how you doing, man? Doing good. good. Uh, we got Yezu in the building with me and, um, thanks for joining. Thanks for calling in. Uh, let's start off with an intro from you, just who you are, what you're about, what you're doing now, just so we get some context for your questions. And then you can go ahead and ask the first question after that. Okay, cool. Um, well, actually, I'm like on my way to work, which is crazy. I'm in New York, um, so I just got off the train. But um, my name is Tavon Bussey. I am a creator, shall I say. I don't want to put myself in a box or anything, but I'm a creator. I also... I mentor kids and consult kids, try and get them into school. But that's something else that I do. And um, I'm just kind of fairly new into like the whole videography world since I've been doing a lot of camera work with Canon. And I just switched over to Sony. So, so um, it's a big it's a big leap for me. Um, but I just get right right into the question. I think I have two questions for you guys. Uh, my first question is, what were you guys like in your intentions when becoming like a uh, video or content creator? And uh, second question is, um, I'm kind of like in the toss of right now. I'm trying to get like a Sony A9 or um, the 70 to 200 uh, F2.8 uh, lens. So which one would you get first? So. Let's ask, uh, let's do the first question first. Can you say it again? I think you cut out for a second. Gotcha. Okay, sweet. Um, I'll start first. Um, you know, I think for me, I started in college making videos and that's when I picked up my first camera. Um, and I noticed kind of pretty much right away when I've, after making my first video that after I showcased it or, you know, posted it on Facebook or whatever, that it got a lot of reaction and like comments. So then you know, I would make my next video or, you know, I would go shoot a wedding for my friend or whatever. And then I would, you know, edit the the wedding video during the wedding, you know, during the downtime and, you know, quick turn it and show it to them. And they would give like a reaction of, you know, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like I'm about to cry and some of them would cry. Like I, I realized early on that the stuff that I was creating would get reactions from, you know, the, my friends or, you know, whoever I was showing the video to. So that's kind of what, what got me, you know, super excited about being a creative and getting more, um, 
finding out, I guess, my why for making content is because I enjoy, you know, seeing other people enjoy my work, whether it's in person because I'm showing it to them on my phone or whether it's on social media because it's getting millions of views and, you know, a lot of likes and a lot of comments. And that's something that um, definitely stood out to me when I got to the Chiefs because now I'm making content about a football team that millions of fans love and they're seeing their favorite players and, you know, getting emotional, emotional, where whether it's getting hyped or getting pumped up or excitement or whatever about their favorite team. And, you know, I was the one that allowed that to happen basically. Cause I'm, you know, I'm the one that edited that piece and put it the piece together. So that, that really is, you know, my biggest why is just creating something out of nothing and, you know, coming up with an idea, having that idea or that video come true, playing on the video board at Arrowhead Stadium and having 70,000 fans like scream because they're about to see Patrick Mahomes after they play the Patrick Mahomes hype video that I just made. Like that, that stuff just gets me jacked. And that's, you know, my why. Yeah, I mean, um, for me, my why, you know, it, it's kind of, there's a central why, and that's, you know, of course, to connect with people, like Billy said, like, it's probably the most efficient way to connect with another person nowadays, you know, especially in social media ages with a video clip. Um, like with that type of content, like, of course, a picture, you know, says a thousand words, but, you know, videos, you know, how many pictures make up a video, right? So, yeah, you know, it's really cool when you, you think about it like that, is you're hitting people's emotions, you know, every second, every millisecond. Um, but my why, I think I just, I really wanted to show people the best versions, best version of themselves. And so, especially like, because when I started, you know, taking pictures again, like four or five years ago, I was able to, you know, show my friends in their best light and then their friends, friends in their best light. And then it became where you're, you're literally connecting, like not to sound too mystical with it, but you're literally connecting with another person's soul. Like that's how I see it. And so for me, in order for me to tell that story, like I connect with that person, you know, on that level. And so then taking pictures and videos easy. So for me, I just want to be able to tell, you know, that specific person, whatever I'm doing, doing tell their story to the world so that keeps me going every single day that's great stuff from uh both of you guys just i just gotta say both of you guys work is just amazing uh it's definitely goals you know what i'm saying so uh big ups to you guys and much respect to it and it's an honor just being here on this call with you guys to be honest with hey, you guys um, man yeah that means a lot brother Oh, you you yeah, want us to uh, answer your second question? Can you say that one again? Oh yeah, man. So my second question is really like a toss up because I'm like, I, I want to get better equipment, so I'm just trying to figure out which one should I invest in, of course. So the the A9 or the uh, Sony 270 to 200 f 2.8. Which one should I invest in first? And which camera did you say you had already? So I have the Sony um, AR-7 II, I believe. Okay. That's how I shoot on the Sony A7R three. Okay. And so, like, for that camera, I mean, it's kind of overkill. It's like a 42 megapixel pictures. You got, 
uh, 1080p video, 120 frames per second, like right. all these different kind of bells and whistles. But like, I would say, depending on which lens you have and you're shooting sports, like a 70, 7200, it's almost like a, like you almost got to have to have it. Like I have a, I used to do a 24 millimeter prime uh, and then a 70 to 200 in my bag. And now I'd use the last couple of years a 24 to 70 and then a 70 to 200. And then I have a two times magnifier lens. You can't do it in camera. Like you can't set the magnification in camera, but I just prefer to have the glass in between the lens and the camera. Uh, okay. So that way I can get my 7,200 to really go all the way up to 400. Uh, the downside is it takes the uh, aperture to 5.6. So less light getting in, but like I've shot it indoors, outdoors and night games, football games. Like it's, it's fine. Especially because the camera you're looking at, the camera you have and the camera you're looking at, the you can go crazy on the ISO, yeah, and it won't add too much noise to it. Okay, and a lot of people don't crank up that ISO because traditionally you're like, well, if I add too much ISO, I'm gonna have a lot of noise, a lot of grain. Well, these mirrorless cameras, man, like you can crank it up in the thousands, and it's not gonna add right. you know too much noise to it. But right. just experiment with it, man. Um, but definitely get a 7200 if you don't have one already. That's my advice. Yeah. For sure. Thank you. Thank you. I yeah, I'll it. I'll add to that as well. Um, the way the way equipment's kind of a touchy subject for me because I wasted so much money into equipment. Like I've probably had six or seven camera bodies before getting to where I'm at now, where I'm, you know, happy with what I have. So I think one thing to think about is is that camera body that you're wanting really worth upgrading to from what you have now like make sure you know the differences between the two and if you can get by with what you have now then there's there's no point in you know upgrading to another body unless you're updating to like a red or an ari or like you know a fifty thousand dollar camera um most people don't realize that what they have right now is good enough and i would rather worry about like the lenses and the stabilizers and all the outside elements outside of the body to enhance the current body you have over upgrading the current body and then you're just stuck with another body and then they're going to come out with a new camera in a couple years and then you're just going to be like well now I want that so um, based on you know your two options, I'm going 70 to 200. I don't have much experience with the Sony camera that you mentioned or the Sony camera you mentioned now, but if, if what you have now can shoot 60 frames per second, that's honestly all you really need. And I would rather have a 7200 to get those certain shots, you know, the tighter shots, especially if you're looking into sports or um, honestly anything. Like the 7200 is just a great lens and like, I think that has more upside to what you're trying to do than a new body. Um, and that, you know, I, I like to say, try to run your body into the ground because upgrading to that, making like a half step to that next body or a full step really isn't that worth it at the end of the day, unless you can make like three steps, if that makes sense. Okay, that sounds great to be honest with you guys, man. Thank you so much for that. I have a, uh, 
Um, I actually have the 70 to 200. Uh, the other one, I can't remember what aperture it's on. I think it's the F4. Yeah. I think it is. Yeah, that's the one I have right now. So, uh, of course, with the low lighting, I got I have some kind of, like, um, issues. But, you know, I guess that's for me to, like, really, you know, experiment on more, you know. So Yeah, I would uh, say, um, Tavon, like, one thing, I know the A9, I think it's, like, 20 frames per second for stills. And then the camera, I know the, the A7R3 that I have is 10 frames per second for, for stills. So for sports, like, especially if, like if you're in burst mode, like you can do, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of shots just holding down that shutter uh, um, a lot more with the A9. So like if you're trying to capture a specific moment and you're just kind of spraying and praying, the A9 is going to be helpful. And I think it also has more autofocus zones. But, like, for me personally, like, shooting sports, high-level NBA, NFL, like, I haven't run into, like, needing more than 10 frames per second stills. And plus, I think video, you're still fine, depending on if you have the A7R2 or something like that. Um, so, yeah, I would just say uh, you should be good, man. Like uh, like Billy said, focus on those lenses, man. Make a huge difference. Thank you, guys, man. Appreciate that, man. Yeah, for All sure. Right. Thanks for hopping on. Thanks for asking that question. All right. Those are some good questions about equipment. Um, just in case people didn't hear before, uh, run me down like kind of what you shoot with currently and what lenses you like. Um, I'm running one body, man, the A7R3. Um, I've had about two years. Um, the really only thing I run into is at the end of a game, having to switch lenses. Um, but for me, I try to, you know, just plan the shots ahead and just, you know, I know I'm going to get certain shots after the game because I'm working specific clients. Um, my A7R3 uh, and a 70 to 200 G Master and a 24 to 70, um, just a 24 to 70 2.8. Both are 2.8. Um, and I would say that's kind of where you want to be at. I know he said he was shooting on an F5, um, but yeah, 2.8 is pretty buttery, man. You can get down to 1.4 on some of these lenses and it's insane for sports, but that's where I'm at. Do you have any advice for people, you know, trying to decide what to buy, what to get? Like, what should they invest in first? Or do you have any horror stories of when you were starting out or like, what's your experience with getting gear? Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, I would say it depends. Again, like it depends on what you want to do. Uh, like if you're just shooting portraits, you don't need an A9. Like you don't need, you know, the $5,000 camera body. If you're just in a studio shooting portraits, you can get... Like, I literally, when I first started shooting, like I was telling you, I had a Sony A7 7, which is like 10 years, 10, 11 years old at this point. I had a Minolta lens. So the company Minolta got bought by Sony. Uh, I was using a 50 millimeter Minolta lens that was manual focus, manual everything. And it was like 25 years old, you know, 20, 25 years old. So, I mean, you don't need the best of equipment. Uh, you you want to get the best equipment for what you're going to be using it for. You don't really want to, you know, overspin, you don't want to underspin. You just want to get what's right for what you call it. Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of people get lost in, you know, the next best thing, the newest camera, the latest and greatest 4K, 8K, 12K. And really, you can do a lot of damage with, you know, the medium tiered stuff, the lower tiered stuff, like the not as expensive stuff. And get paid consistently and well just if you're good and you know getting a better camera is not going to make you better 
So I w- I'd focus on getting better with what you have currently before you invest in better equipment. Um, and I think that's a trap. It's like a good pair of shoes, man. It's like a, you want to buy a good pair of shoes is going to last you. You don't want to get the cheapest, but you might not need the $10,000 red bottoms, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know how much they cost, man. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever that costs. Yep. Um, all right. We have no more call-ins, but I'm just going to close it out with a couple of last questions and then we'll uh, wrap this up. But who are some of your, you know, inspiration um, or people that inspire you slash kind of mentors, like any big figures in your life when it comes to creative? Um, I would say my brother, uh, my brother, Nate, he's not, you know, he doesn't take pictures to take videos, but he's my reality check guy. Uh, I mean, really him, Burks and Willie together are kind of my reality check guys. Tell me if I'm standing on the table acting crazy with ideas and stuff. <laughs> They're either the ones to, you know, kind of, hey man, let, you know, let's focus in. Cause sometimes I'll just, you know, not, you know, I kind of think, I try to think ahead as much as possible and think of how can I, you know, either make the craziest thing or the most creative thing. So they're my reality check people. You definitely need those people to tell you, uh, you know, when you're crazy and when you're, you're right on the money. Then the second person, um, I mean, of course my mother, right. Yeah. You got you know, shout out the mom. Uh, but my cousin, Mike, he also was a photographer for the Atlanta journal constitution. And I remember, like, uh, when I was a kid, he, you know, was shooting the Super Bowl when the Broncos played the Falcons in Atlanta. So, like, for him, I always kind of look at his work from afar um, and just kind of see how he moves. He's now, like, uh, an editor at USA Today, like an ethics editor at USA Today. So, huge shout-out to him just from when I was a kid, just kind of seeing his path as a photographer uh, and journalist. That's cool to have, you know, people keep you grounded and keep you in check and make sure you're not floating too high up. Um, who, who is, um, not who is, what is your future? What do you see yourself doing in the next three years, five years, 10 years or whatever? What are, what are your goals? What are you trying to accomplish? Man, um, it's weird. Like, um, you know, me and, me and Trill, we talk a lot about like being mad scientists, but I really, it's hard to even see it, man. Like it's hard to see because you're in it, it's hard to really project out where you want to be and where you want to go. Like, I just personally want to keep getting better. Like, I'm just not, I know inside I'm not satisfied. I'm appreciative. I'm appreciative of where I am. Um, and, you know, people like to respect the work and respect me, but like, I'm not satisfied. So I'm actually currently trying to figure out where I'm going to be in five, 10 years. But right now it's just focused on getting better. Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel you there. Like I'm so grateful for the position that I'm, I'm in, but I feel like I'm just getting started. Like I'm only three years out of college and, you know, already doing the things that I'm doing. Um, and I feel you there, like appreciative of where I'm at, but not satisfied with, um, just being stagnant and plateauing where I'm at now. Um, this let's, um, Give me three creative sleepers or three people that people should be following on social that maybe most people aren't. Oh, man. Um, creatives on social. Uh, well, I mean, one guy I talk to a lot, um, Mark, I'm trying to remember his handle. It's like Marky3Mark or something like that. He's going to kill me for not knowing that. <laughs> but uh, 
I would say him. He's based out of New York. Uh, he's working with Julius Randle. He's working in like the wrestling circuit right now, wrestling business right now. He's cold. Uh, the real Jay Will, she's cold. She's out of Los Angeles. Um, I would say uh, I Burks. If you're not following I Burks, he doesn't really post a lot, <laughs> but uh, he's a videographer that I work with for Willie. Um, but he's somebody that you'll see his work all down with his page and other people posting pictures or videos that he's making. Uh, I'm going to say four. Logan. Uh, Logan, he is uh, D-Lo, D'Angelo Russell's creative. Uh, he's been grinding. Actually, I'm going to say five, man. You shouldn't have told me to start because now I'm going to say five. <laughs> uh, J-Square uh, out of the Bay Area. J-Square is cold. That's all I got to say, J-Square cold. Nice, nice. I like it. Um, t- talk to me a little bit about Burks, how you guys linked up, and how it's helpful to have a team and work, you know, with a partner versus going at it solo by yourself. Yeah, man. Like I've known Burks ten years. Like I've known Burks a long time. Um, we met in Lexington, Kentucky, and he, you know, he's always kind of been in our friend group. Uh, but in the last, like, right before we ended up moving out. I've always known him as a drone guy. Like he's one of the coldest drone pilots like I've ever seen. Like landing it on his hand when he's driving, he can land it like with his hand out the window. So that's always been kind of his niche. Um, but videography is something uh, got a, he got a red camera probably about three years ago, right before he moved out uh, to uh, Sacramento. And I mean, really just having him there, like I would say a lot of creatives, as much as you might think it's, um, What's the word for it? It's not like a weak move. It's hard for me to really put it out of words, but it's not a weak move to say you need help. So for me, you know, whether it's, you know, other jobs that I have or, you know, my son or my wife, there's responsibilities you have, uh, having him there to be able to do a job when I can't and vice versa. Number one, you're going to get more jobs. And then number two, you're going to save your burnout. And so while I specialize in pictures, he specializes in video. Now we have a team combo so we can say, hey, we can come out and do both for X amount of dollars. Uh, or if you see pictures or if you see video, that's a separate rate, separate charge. So um, just having him there, he's like one of my best friends. We talk every single day, all day. So it's like, you know, you got to have somebody you can trust, man. Yeah, for sure. I think it's super important to kind of have that one or two people that you can rely on and count on um, and be a creative with you so that you guys can push each other to get better and you're not just by yourself um, on your own road. A um, couple of more things. Uh, this section, I'm going to have you uh, flip the script and let you ask me two to three questions if you have any. Um, so yeah, anything about my sports creative career or anything, questions. Yeah, so I grew up in Dallas, uh, Plano, Texas, and I, I, my family, uh, my dad did a really good job of making sure I stayed in the same area and not like moved around a lot. Um, so that way, I had like the same group of friends growing up, and I didn't really have like a creative bug or juice in me early. I played a lot of video games. And it's actually funny. I think that's where like the foundation and the fundamental vision of my creative comes from is because I'd be playing like Halo and Call of Duty. And one of my favorite things to do was to replay 
the match and try to put the camera angle like at a certain spot and like screenshot and try to get a cool image out of it. And for me back then, I was just trying to get my screenshots onto like bungee.net and try to like get it on the, on the, on the top five or whatever and get it submitted. But I didn't realize that I was like low key learning about like composition and lighting and all this, you know, rules of thirds and crap. And so that's, that's where I think, um, my, it comes from, um, but yeah, I grew up in Dallas, um, Plano, Texas, and then moved to Arkansas to go to college there and then moved up to Kansas city to where I'm at now. Nice. Um, the second question I would have is, um, what's like the favorite, do you have like a favorite piece of content that you created? Oh, that, that's a really good question. I know they're all your babies. I know they're all your babies. Pick a favorite, which would it be? I think my favorite. Oh man, that's tough. That's that's real tough. Um, there's been some great ones, you know, my Super Bowl edit, my parade edit, um, a lot of the Chiefs edits last season. A lot of the stuff I did at the Chiefs were incredible pieces that I really enjoy and am proud of. Um, but the one that always stands out to me is kind of my first um, workout video that I did after leaving the Chiefs. Um, it was two summers ago, and I just had I just left the Chiefs, joined Let It Fly Media, and I wasn't sure like if I could keep doing like the cool workout stuff with players or that stuff now that I was outside of the Chiefs. But luckily. I linked up with Garrett Dieter, Tyreek Hill, and we did a couple of videos. And then our second workout that they invited me to, they mentioned that they were going to start throwing the football around. And I was like, I don't think they're going to throw the football. I think Patrick's going to throw the football. <laughs> so in my head, I'm like, oh, crap. I think Patrick's going to be at this workout. And I show up. Oh, man. All the receivers are there. Patrick shows up. And I'm just – in go mode like I need a ball out <laughs> this moment like I know Garrett Dieter invited me to shoot a video for him but we all know who Patrick is I need a ball out on this video because I bet you know Garrett Dieter's gonna post it Patrick's gonna see it and he's gonna get a reaction so I need to make that as good as possible so it was a workout at a high school. All the receivers there from the Chiefs, Sammy Watkins, D-Rob, Tyreek Hill, uh, me, Cole Hardman. Patrick shows up. I'm running around with my black magic, just getting all types of angles. I'm running on the field with all the players, you know, just doing my thing. Uh, practice ends, and I sprint to my car, drive home, open up the laptop, and I crank out, like, this edit that, you know, that – from all these shots that I got and I'm, I'm, I've, I've always been a speed guy. Like once the shoots, when a shoot is done that like I'm 100% putting my effort in, I'm cranking it out ASAP because I think that shows just another level of effort um, in the client's eyes and, or in the, you know, whoever's eyes it may be. Same, 100%. Yep. Um, so mm-hmm. I cranked it out this edit um, to J. Cole's Down Bad. And I think that's my favorite video because it, it kind of 
launched me into this new era of my life of not being with the Chiefs, but I could still do cool stuff with Chief players without having to go through the organization. And that was like the representation of that. And, you know, sure enough, I post it, it blows up. And all of Kansas City is like loving it and retweeting it. And then I get a text from Garrick Dieter saying, hey, Patrick likes that video. He he wants to post it on his Instagram. And I was like, okay. Oh, man. <laughs> so uh, Dieter was like, can you send me the video so I could send it to him? And then I was like, bet, you know, trying to get the Dropbox link working. And then he, I get another text from Garrett Dieter, and he's like, you know what? Just text him yourself. <laughs> and he sent me Patrick's number, and I'm like, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hello, Patrick. This is Billy. <laughs> Mr. <Here's>, Mahomes. <laughs> Mr. Mahomes. Uh, here's the video you wanted. Um, yeah, there you go. And then he saw my 469 and my uh, phone number and he's like, oh, nice. Like another kid from Texas. And like, that was awesome. And like, that's kind of how that relationship started. And that's how, you know, Patrick's marketing team found out about me. And um, that's how I basically became one of Patrick's go-to guy when go-to guys when it comes to content. Um, so yeah, that, that video is basically what put me on the map. So that's my, that's my favorite video for sure. Yeah, man. And that's a cool story because number one, you were confident that you were going to make a dope video that day regardless. But number two, you, you were already ready to go. You stay ready. So when you had that moment where there was a networking opportunity or whether it was, you know, creating the content on the fly, like you were ready for that, man. Like that's, that's really like (laughs) the one of the biggest lessons I took from that story right there is like, for every young creative out there, you got to stay ready because you never know who might just show up or what you might get called in and do. Because like the first workout he he brought me out to, uh, Garrett Dieter, it was just him and Tyreek Hill. Like it was just them two. And then the way he Garrett Dieter worded the text for the second workout was, hey, we're going to the high school to throw. And I'm like, receivers don't throw. I think is Patrick, like that's what was formulated in my yeah. head. And I was like, I got to be ready to ball out if he's there. Right. And it wasn't like something you were planning a month in advance or two months. Like this is literally day up. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's cool, man. All right. Well, one last thing for me is to plug yourself and your social channels and then give one last piece of advice to that creative that's listening right now who's trying to, you know, get to the next level or be in that position they're going for? Like, what's your one last thing you want to tell them? Last piece of advice, last piece of motivation. But first, plug yourself. Appreciate it, man. Um, Yazumotif.com, Y-A-Z-O-O-M-O-T-I-F.com. I I have a portfolio updated recently on there, contact information on my social media links. I'm Yazumotif on every social media platform. Um, So yeah, man, um, really the... And last piece of advice, like we're in an era now where, you know, people, sometimes people are even scared to post certain content. They're wondering if they're posting too much content. Um, It could be athletes that, you know, they're getting a lot of hate on their content, right, on social media. Um, But one piece of advice I've, I've heard years ago that I still say to this day is, again, don't take advice from somebody you wouldn't take um, criticism from. Don't take criticism from someone you wouldn't take advice from. 
Um, and so what that means is, again, if someone's hating on you, but they're not in the lane that you're in or the lane you want to get to, like, why are you listening to it? Like, why are you letting that hold you back? Uh, so again, for anybody out there, don't take criticism for someone you want to take advice from. Yes, sir. That's straight facts from Yezu himself. Don't take criticism from those you wouldn't take advice from. Perfect way to end the podcast. Keep doing you. Keep grinding. Stay in your lane. And if they're not in your lane, then there's no point in paying attention to them. Thank you so much, Yezu Motif, for being on the podcast. Really learned a lot from what you had to say. Thank you so much to everybody for calling in and asking those great questions. This podcast wouldn't be a thing without the call-ins. And thank you so much to everybody else for supporting and listening to the podcast. Make sure to download, subscribe, follow, leave a review for this podcast on Apple or Spotify. My name is Billy Quach, and I'll catch y'all on the next one. Deuces.